You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. Join us now for Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. When I think of great voices, I think of Bishop Sheen. And it was his voice that touched the hearts of millions of souls through his radio addresses and his television programs. And we'd like to share a few of those reflections with you today. So I would invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. And it is great to be here today with you. And, um, you know, I think sometimes how our Lord continues to minister to us um, when we pick up our Bibles, we're encouraged by uh, what I call the number of victory cries that we read uh, throughout Sacred Scripture. I think of Our Lady's uh, beautiful victory cry when she proclaimed, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And, of course, as we read through the scriptures, we see how God continues to intervene. And, uh, of course, our Lord came to conquer sin and evil, to defeat Satan. And we have to remember that. So uh, these are things that uh, sometimes we get discouraged, but we need to be people of hope. And I know sometimes it's easier said than done. And, uh, you know, I know people will say, oh, yeah, Al, it's easy for you to get behind the microphone and uh, share God's holy word and, um, of course, share some Bishop Sheen stories from time to time. But you're not living in my world. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I am. And again, but I think it's this holy confidence that my mother and father shared all through my youth and uh, even still to today, uh, that they're saying, you know what? Yes, the world is crazy, and every day it seems to be crazier, but uh, the Lord continues to save. And how many people uh, you know that have died in the peace of Christ, that uh, even though uh, the world is um, not saying exploding, but um, again, there are explosions throughout the world, but um, Again, people are saying, you know what? In God I trust. In God I trust. So, uh, again, what Fulton Sheen did so well is that he explained what evil was and what evil is. And he um, makes it clear that our Lord, when he entered into the world, he came to, uh, to defeat Satan. And, of course, he went after him right away and sought out the aggressor. And, uh, Again, this is why the demons and uh, would always say, uh, what do you have to do with us, O Most High One? And uh, <laughs> now I'm not quoting this perfectly, but I think you know what I mean. It's like the demons trembled. And um, 
you know, they, but our Lord was seeking them out. He, he was going out to get the bad guy, to wrestle and defeat the bad guy. And um, I think one person said it many years ago, I think it was Father Dwight Longenecker, when he wrote that Jesus is the secret son. He kind of comes um, in, in secret to defeat the devil, um, just like many superheroes do that. So, uh, but again, I think we have to know the devil, see him for who he is, and of course know that uh, our Lord has come to defeat the evil one. So uh, let's listen to Fulton Sheen for about um, 40 minutes or so as he talks about Satan and evil. And uh, again, then we'll come back after the break and uh, share a few things together once again. So again, sit back and relax and enjoy one of the greatest communicators of our time, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is, I am who am. The devil's definition of himself is, I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. In a light vein, in a kind of doggerel verse, this question is worth asking. I went to church the other day to free my soul from sin. I was looking for the preacher, but the preacher wasn't in. The sexton then assured me that there'd be no use in waiting. The preacher's gone away, he said, to do some demonstrating. But what I want to know, I said, and I will make myself quite clear. While they're off demonstrating, who's running things down here? Who's taking care of sinners? Who's leading us in prayer? Who's feeding all the lost sheep that wander by right here? Who's baptizing babies? And another thing I said, who's looking out for sick folks and blessing all the dead? The sexton was a wise old man with a twinkle in his eye. He looked at me and scratched his head and this was his reply. Son, what I'm going to say to you might strike you kind of odd. But since no one's here to help, put your question up to God. So I asked him all those things last night when I bent my knee in prayer. Oh Lord, I prayed, please tell me, who's running things down here? The Lord sent down an angel. It was enough to make me sob when the angel said, The devil, and he's doing a damn good job. 
Can any of you priests or religious think of any book that has been written by theologians on Satan in relationship to the modern world? Our theologians are silent. I read one book on the last things in which there was no mention of hell, no mention of the devil. Our spokesmen are saying nothing. If you want to know what is going on in the world, search the deep and profound literature. I'm not speaking of books of the month. They are too ephemeral. I'm speaking of great poets, deep thinkers. What is their judgment? Perhaps if we find time at the end, I may mention a few more. But just at the beginning, William Butler Yeats. See how fearful he is concerning what is about to happen? Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are these words out of my mouth when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with a lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know. The twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. In other words, the poet is expecting the Antichrist. William H. Alden, another poet, We priests who study Greek and had so much trouble with Xenophon's Anabasis are familiar with the words there is a going up and there is a coming down. The coming down is the catabasis. Heroic charity is rare. Without it, what except despair? can shape the hero who will dare the desperate catabases into the snarl of the abyss that always lies just underneath our jolly picnic on the heath of the agreeable. In other words, the satanic. 
is under us. Nietzsche. Nietzsche, the son of a Lutheran minister, who wrote some beautiful poetry as a young man about Christ on the cross. And then he wrote a book called The Antichrist and went mad. He was a great friend of Richard Wagner, the musician. And he sat at his piano, not playing it with his fingers, but pounding and thumping it with his fists, shouting and shrieking against the person of Christ. And he went mad. This is how he tells of the Antichrist. We have American philosophers who announce that God is dead. Nietzsche was the first to do it in our times. He makes a madman say that God is dead. Interesting, isn't it? Have you not heard of the madman who lit a lantern at noonday and ran to the marketplace and cried out, I'm looking for God. The madman leaped in their midst and pierced him with a glance. Where is God gone? I will tell you, we have slain him. You and I. So he makes us guilty. We have slain him, you and I. How did we do it? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us a sponge to wipe out the whole horizon? What did we do when we unchained this earth from its sun? Where is it moving to now? The night is coming, and evermore night. Must we not light our lantern, lanterns at noon? Do we not hear the noise of the grave diggers as they bury God? God is dead, we have slain him. And how shall we console ourselves? Chief of all murderers, the holiest and most powerful that the world has ever possessed, has ebbed its life away beneath our knives. Who will wipe the blood from our fingers? What water can make us clean? What propitiations and sacred rites will we have, will we have to invent? Must we not ourselves become gods in order to be worthy of it? And the madman fell silent, and I looked at his hearers again. They were all silent. At last he threw his lantern on the crowd so that it broke into, into the crowd ground, and it broke into pieces, and he went on, I've come too early. It is not yet my time. But this monstrous event is on the way. The Antichrist. So 
we do not talk about the devil unless he becomes the hero of dramas and movies and novels. But we who have the faith are silent about him. Now, who is the devil? I will try to explain the devil from the psychiatric point of view and then from the biblical. First of all, from the psychiatric point of view. As I was saying, our theologians are not writing about the devil. But Rollo May of Harvard University and the Rockefeller Institute has written three chapters in his work on psychiatry on the demonic. What is the diabolic from the psychiatric point of view? He analyzes the word diabolic from the Greek word diabolime. Diabolain is a tearing apart. It's the opposite of symbolain, which is pulling things together. He said, whatever creates discord, breaks up unity, destroys patterns, that is the diabolic. Have we seen it in the church? Is there a breaking up of our priesthood? Is there a division among the sisters? Ever since we split the atom, the world has been split. And then he goes on to analyze the three marks of the diabolic. Nudity, aggressiveness, and schizophrenic mentality. Nudity. Nudity is based upon the idea that nature is good, that it never fell, that we do not have to go back into Eden through a flaming sword. Nudity, therefore, is the affirmation that we must not have any artificiality about us. And nudity has crept into the church. See, some of us priests and some of us sisters do not like to be too identified with Christ. We denude the color. We take off the habit. We strip the crucifix. The diabolic.
unwilling to go before men. I'm Christ. Aggressiveness, violence. Are your streets safe? Are you afraid to go out at night? Schizophrenic mentality. The increase of mental cases in the United States. And these three marks that he gives, he does not correlate to the demonic whom our blessed Lord meant, uh, met in the land of the Jaredines or Gadarenes, whichever you please. That young man who was possessed by the devil is described in the gospel, first of all, as naked. Secondly, he was violent. So violent, in fact, that he could not even be bound by chains. And thirdly, he had a split mentality. He didn't know who he was. Our Lord said, what is your name? My name is Legion. A legion was 6,000 soldiers in the Roman army. My name is Legion, for we are many. See, my, we. And the Lord finally had to drive the devil out of the man. What then is the mark of the demonic from the psychiatric point of view? Division, splitting, confusion, disruption. What is the demonic from the biblical point of view? If we go to the 16th chapter of Matthew, our blessed Lord had just given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to Peter. And then he said to Peter that he must become a victim for the sins of the world. He must go up to Jerusalem to be delivered over to the Gentiles and to be crucified. And Peter said, this shall not be. We're willing that you be a priest, but we're not willing that you be a victim. We're willing to have a divine Christ, but we'll not have a suffering one. No! And our Lord says, get behind me, Satan. Behind me. Do not try to lead me. I lead you, Satan. did our Lord call him Satan and remember that was personal personal why well go back to the beginning of our Lord's public life and our Lord went into the desert to be tempted by the devil what were the three temptations of Satan? They were three shortcuts from the cross. For the essence of the demonic from the biblical point of view is contempt of the cross.
So Satan says to our blessed Lord, you are here to be a teacher of men. You wish to draw all men to yourself. I will tell you how to do it. See those little stones down there? They look like loaves of bread, do they not? You're hungry. You have not eaten for 40 days. Satisfy your hunger. Turn them into bread. Remember, you've got a hunger instinct. Everybody's got a need. Got a sex instinct. You've got a power instinct. You're never going to win the world by suppressing that instinct. Let them go their way. Let them be free. That was the first short cut from the cross. And the second short cut from the cross was, Satan says, what do people love? They love wonders. Marvels, excitement, something that makes them say, oh, fly to the moon. Fly again, they will not look at you the second or third time you go. They will not even remember your name, so give them new wonders. But always satisfy their desire for technological marvels. So throw yourself down from this steeple, unhurt. Let the angels protect you. Do something spectacular. But do not go to the cross. This is a way to win men. And the third temptation, which is the grave temptation which the church will face increasingly in the next 50 years. Satan said... Theology is politics. Forget souls, forget salvation, forget guilt, forget sin. Just politics. That's all. And as if he held the shiny globe of the earth in his hand. Was Satan for once telling the truth? Or was he lying when he said... All these kingdoms are mine. They're mine. And you can have them if you just bow down and adore me. Now we go back to the temptation, or rather to the word Satan used by our Lord. When Peter said, we do not want you to be a victim, we do not want a cross, we do not want sacrifice, we do not want discipline, our Lord called him Satan. Because that's precisely what Satan did at the beginning of his public life, to tempt him from the cross. And that was the last temptation that was made by Satan's agents on the cross, just come down and we'll believe Now, for those who have been following this retreat from the beginning, you can see why Christ is priest and victim.
the victimhood that hurts. And when we separate that victimhood from Christ, we're doing the same thing that Satan did. When we push it out of our priestly lives, we're diabolic. And it's happening everywhere. The decline of the love of the cross and discipline and mortification. About the only place that discipline is left in the United States. It is not in our seminaries. It is not in our schools. It is at West Point, Annapolis, the Air Force Academy, and especially the professional football fields. There's discipline there. But the demonic has thrown out sacrifice. So we have it in the church. We have it among ourselves. And that is why when I see, for example, any any denuding of Christ in any way by those of us who are given to him. I cannot tell you how my heart is torn because of what do I see? I see the demonic. And it's there. It is there. Believe me. I can see it when I talk. There are places where I have given retreats where the talking of Christ disturbed some souls they almost writhed in the pews. Somebody else had their soul. Though they kept the name and the appearance of Christ. Listen. There are 10,000 times 10,000 roads down which we may travel. It makes no difference which, but at the end of those roads, we are going to meet one or the other of two faces. We are either going to meet the beatific face of Christ, or we are going to meet the miserific face of Satan. It makes no difference what road you go. You're going to face one or the other. There's no escape. And they act toward us quite differently. In fact, in opposite ways. Let me tell you how they act in relationship to sin or temptation.
in temptation or in sin, Christ always seems as our opponent. He's in the way. He disturbs. The devil is our friend. After we sin, the Lord is the friend, and the devil the accuser. Let us develop this a bit. Before we sin or while we are tempted, Christ seems to be in the way. Why do we have to go to Mass? Why do we have to obey the commandments? That crucifix always is in the way. I don't mind the statue of Buddha. I can tickle the tummy of Buddha, and he doesn't bother me a bit, but that crucifix, somehow or other, it involves me. It almost points to me. I feel kind of guilty. So Christ is there almost shaking a finger. No. No. You'll not go the way of the world. Don't be with it. As one poet put it, this is what we say. Go, bitter Christ, grim Christ, all if thou wilt thy bloody cross to thine own black Calvary. When did I bid thee suffer for my guilt, to lay intolerable chains on me? I loathe thy sacrifice, I'm sick of thee. They say thou reignest from the cross, thou dost, and like a tyrant, thou dost rule by tears, thou womanish son of woman. Cease to thrust thy sordid tale of sorrow in my ears, jarring the music of my few short years. And so Christ is our opponent. When the hound of heaven finally caught up with the soul, and Francis Thompson, hound of heaven, the soul asks, must all thy fields be done with rotten death? In other words, before you can have pasture, before you can have any kind of a crop, must you fertilize it with manure and with death? Must all thy fields be done with rotten death? Is thy love a weed, an amaranthine weed, that suffers no flowers to mount except its own? And that's the way Christ appears while we're being tempted. He's in the way. Church is in the way. But Satan? Oh, that's different. Satan? Have you read about the Vatican Council? They've changed all this. Do you mean to say you're still a virgin? Why don't you get hit with it? Why don't you take a little LSD? It doesn't hurt. You've never been drunk. 
You haven't lived. You know, we're not doing these things anymore. Don't pay any attention to your parents. The church, that's passe. Got to live your own life. Be yourself. Do your thing. Whatever the thing is, just be with it. And if you don't, the crowd won't like you. That's the demon. He's our defender. After we sin, after we sin, Christ is our defender. Come to me. If your sins are as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. And if they are as red as crimson, they shall be made white as wool. Forgive seven times, nay, seventy times seven. And St. Peter, who denied and who was fearful of Christ and hid from him in the courtyard, now, later on, attacks the judges in court and boldly affirms Christ. He's our joy. We have inner peace. Our defense. But after we sin, who is Satan? What is Satan called in the scripture? The accuser. Now look what you've done. No chance now you've ruined yourself. You might just as well go on smoking drugs. You might just as well go on fornicating. What difference does it make? You've already lost your virginity. Forget about it. Then you try to cover it up with more and more of it, adding zero to zero. And the devil says, see, 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 you're dead now. And he accuses you and he awakens you at night. And that is one of the reasons why the welfare state, one of the welfare states of Scandinavia, with all of the comforts supplied by the state, with unbridled sex license, leaves the world in suicide. And Judas, who listened to the devil, himself committed suicide. This is the difference. We're succumbing. For example, you say to a lay person, to a priest, or to a nun, do you not know that this is not the way we're supposed to live? What do they say? Oh, well, you're behind the times. Oh, you're not with it. That's the devil. But when we come to Christ, then, as the last verse ends, O king, O captain, wasted one with scourging, strong beyond speech and wonderful with woe, whither relentless wilt thou still be urging thy maimed and halt that have not strength to go? Peace. Peace.
thou? Why must we love thee so? And so this is the time of retreat. For any of us who are getting worldly, who are ashamed of Christ, who are breaking up uniformity, to get away from the devil before it's too late. You know, the devil doesn't have to work very hard anymore. I, a few years ago, and Mrs. Luce went out to Hollywood to do a film on Satan. I called her and I said, have you met Satan out there? No, she said, he doesn't work here. He just sleeps here. He doesn't have to work. And C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, developed the character of Screwtape and Wormwood. Screwtape Letters is one of the books in which there's correspondence between a young devil on earth and an old devil is in hell. Screwtape is the old devil and the nephew devil is on earth. And he coaches the young devil how to win people. For example, uh, in the first letter that he writes to Wormwood, he said, listen, he said, you're trying to win these young people. And you're using the wrong tactic. You are saying to them, what we're telling you is the truth. Don't talk that way. That's the way the enemy talks. God. God is interested in truth. You must never talk about truth to the young. You must say, are you modern? Are you up to date? Are you with it? That's all they're interested in. Then you'll find you've got hundreds and thousands of young people. So one day, old screw tape in hell is graduating a lot of devils to send up to this earth. So screw tape, screw tape gives the valedictory address. And the theme of the address is, honestly, we're disgusted at the kind of crash that we're getting in hell. People are selling their souls so cheaply. And this is what Screwtape says to them. You disgraces, my thorns, shadies, and gentle devils. It would be vain to deny that the human souls on whose anguish we have been feasting tonight were of pretty poor quality. Oh, to get one's teeth into a Henry VIII or a Hitler... There was real crackling there, something to crunch. It warmed you inwards when you got it down. Instead, what do we have tonight? A mayor of a city with grass sauce. A lukewarm casserole of adulterers. Undersexed morons who blundered and trickled into the wrong beds in automatic response to sexy advertisements and to make themselves feel liberated. They are nauseating. We are tempted to say that such souls, or the residual puddles of once were souls, are hardly worth damning. 
Here were vermin so muddled in mind, so passively responsive to environment, that it was hard to raise them to the deliberateness at which a mortal sin becomes possible. Conformity to social environment, to the times, how should jelly not conform, now becomes an acknowledged cult of togetherness, and being just folks and being with it. Our catches are more numerous than ever, and they will consist increasingly of trash. Trash which we should have thrown to the hellhounds for diabolical consumption. There may be a time when we will not have to bother with individual temptations at all. Almost every film star or crooner or guitarist can now draw tens of thousands of human sheep after him. It will be an ill day for us if what most humans mean by religion ever vanishes from the earth. The fine flower of unholiness can grow only in the neighborhood of the holy. In other words, the lily, when it rots, smells the worst. My disgraces, my thorns, my shadies and gentle devils, I give you the toast of the principle of slub club college. So the devils are complaining that they are receiving a mighty mean and ordinary repast. Now I have told you what the devil is. You are going to be facing in the years to come an increased openness of Satanism. I was in one church in California where the word Satan had been written all along the walls by someone who came in, came in during the day. In one diocese where I gave a retreat, three tabernacle veils were burned in one week in different churches. You see, we priests may not always have a deep, profound faith in the Eucharist so that we make an hour before the good Lord, but the devils believe, and that's why there's an increasing number of tabernacles that are broken in throughout the United States in order to get the host. One young lady told me that she sacrificed her own babe and gratitude for getting a host. Can we not watch an hour the devil believes? Can we believe? This is his hour. So let us get over this worldliness and be with it. And the denuding of everything that's Christ-like. Because someday each and every one of us are going to die. And when we go down one of these thousand times ten thousand roads, 
either the beatific face of Christ or the miserific face of Satan will say, Mine! Mine! Decide which is it. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen presents, hosted by Al Smith. Hello, my dear Radio Maria family. And I tell you, uh, that ending of that program uh, has me still um, shaking a little bit. And um, when Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen said, uh, at the end of your life, you'll hear uh, one voice. And it'll either be the voice of Satan or the voice of Jesus saying, mine. And um, again, when they say, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, I get it. I get it. And um, again, what a beautiful um, testimony that was of Archbishop Sheen just um, kind of um, navigating uh, the sign of the times. You know, we're always under temptation that the world is saying, come, enjoy. You, you, you don't know how to live unless you've done this, this, and this. And, um, you know, the world says that you won't become wise unless you experience things. But I tell you, there is a beauty in not knowing. And I think of the first words our Lord spoke from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I think of how the Blessed Virgin Mary knew the power of not knowing. Uh, There was a beauty in her innocence And uh, again, it's one of these things where we need to realize, uh, again, it is better to not know many of these things than to experience in them. And the beauty of confession is that it is uh, that opportunity to have our slates wiped clean. Uh, Fulton Sheen said, uh, it's easier for God to write on a blank piece of paper than one that is full of scribbles. And so uh, I think it's time to get our blackboard clean <laughs> and i say blackboard to clean because that's was bishop sheen was famous for was his angel cleaning the blackboard but um, again it is this beauty of not knowing so uh, let us pray for the special grace of holy purity uh, that our young people especially will not succumb to these many temptations that are uh, put before them and even us older folks that uh, we won't uh, succumb. And um, the devil is a liar and a thief, and he wants to rob us of our joy. And uh, again, we need to be on guard, to be on guard. So I hope that this presentation on Satan and evil helped you. And uh, again, we'll be back again next week with some more Fulton Sheen. Uh, I'd ask for your um, help, of course, in helping us uh, to keep this uh, radio apostolate alive. Uh, It has been what I call a uh, listener-supported radio station for many, many years. And, of course, we're supported by your prayerful gifts, but also your financial gifts. So uh, we'd ask you to uh, remember us uh, in your giving. So, uh, again, you'll find us at RadioMariaCanada.com. And uh, again, this is uh, one of these things where, um, you know, we need you. We need you. 
All right. Uh, again, everyone, until next time, may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. been listening to Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.